Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So today is Coach's Corner, Volume 17, and it is an episode that has come from you guys. So it is a Q&A on PCOS, and for whatever reason, over the last little while, PCOS is kind of coming in through my DMs an awful lot. And I did a webinar on it a little while ago, and the response was amazing. So thank you to everyone who who bought into that and, and watched it and reviewed it. I know there's a lot of coaches and stuff that kind of watch that. And I've got I know I've got clients with PCOS uh, that are in Team SWF. I know some Dallas and Jane have have some as well. And it's it's one of those things that is there's a lot of misconceptions about it. There's a lot of a lot of misinformation about it and i think the point of this episode is to try and get rid of any of that misinformation so dallas how are we sir absolutely wonderful slightly fatigued from leg day session but otherwise i am doing wonderful i think that both of us nearly got sick after our sessions today i wouldn't encourage that to the kids at home um but yeah, yeah i think two of us are uh, struggling a little bit i think we both are probably on the brink of food <laughs> We'll keep Ryan's cravings and everything at bay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I think, and I because I know we've got questions. I've got like seven questions that kind of came in. I sent them over to Dallas beforehand. And the thing, the most important thing for us to kind of understand is there are other episodes on PCOS that we've done. There is number fifty-eight with Claire Goodwin, who's the PCOS nutritionist. Mm-hmm. There is one two nine, which is with MJ uh, or Mary Jo and. Um, on her podcast and I, I brought that over to mine because Mary Jo or MJ Nutrition on Instagram she's phenomenal for that so definitely give her a follow and give her a shout out on that and then 167 um, I think there was more questions kind of coming in on PCOS where I spoke about it a little bit more I think those were Lara Bryden 167 is and Lara's book books are amazing and they're really handy resources and stuff but like she has a lot of stuff up on her website so go over and head over to that so we need to understand what PCOS is First of all, um, PCOS is kind of one of these, the most common hormone disorders in women. It affects about 10% of women from the reproductive age uh, worldwide. It, it can be obesity related, but weight loss is beneficial in improving terms and symptoms for a lot of people. The exact cause of it is actually unknown and PCOS and most women um, who are overweight and demonstrate insulin resistance. It's most common in those who are overweight and insulin resistance. Mm. It appears to be a key factor. Our insulin resistance be, appears to be a key factor in PCOS, although not indivi- all individuals possess it, which I'm going to talk about the various different types in a moment. It is, a, it is important that not all women with PCOS are overweight or need to lose weight. The choice of losing weight is up to that person. Not everyone needs to lose weight. And we did speak about that in episode 194 as well. So we need to understand what insulin is. Insulin is a hormone found in the body that controls glucose or your sugar levels in the blood and allows glucose to be brought into our body cells to be used as energy insulin resistance is when the body's tissues do not respond to the normal level of insulin the body and and after therefore has to produce extra insulin to compensate for that this excess insulin can increase the production and activity of male hormones aka testosterone the main cause of insulin resistance is excess weight gain around your middle 
So that's what generally happens. If you notice that men hold their weight predominantly around their stomachs, women will potentially hold their weight a little bit more in their quads and in their hips. But as the women get older and go into perimenopause and menopause, it will potentially go up into your bum and into your stomach region because there's a swap over and a shift over in your hormones. And that's what's happening. Your progesterone drops, your estrogen drops, and your testosterone increases. So that's basically what happens. There are, met, there are episodes on menopause and perimenopause. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today. I need to be contained. Um, so PCOS may be diagnosed by of any with two any or two of these three. A number of cysts have developed around the ovaries, uh, failure in the release of eggs from the ovaries or ovulation, and slightly higher than normal levels of the male hormones in your blood. So some of the symptoms include irregular periods. So a lack of ovulation prevents the uterine lining from shedding every month. Some women with PCOS get fewer than eight periods a year. So you need to make sure that you're tracking your cycle so you understand what you're doing. Heavy bleeding, the uterine lining builds up for extended period of time. So the, so the periods you do get can be heavier than normal. So it's a re- I'm going to talk about fatigue, which is a great question that came in. Hair growth, more than 70% of women with this condition grow hair on their face and their body, including on their back, belly, and chest. And it can happen on their face as well. And excess, this is called hertuism. So there's acne as well. Uh, the male hormones can produce oilier skin. Weight gain can go up in some way. 80% of women with PCOS can be overweight or obese. That research needs to be kind of looked at a little bit more. Well, more research is being put into it. Male pattern baldness, darkening of the skin, headaches can also um, be a trigger as well or be a symptom as well. To, to treat PCOS, we really, really need to understand what type of PCOS you have. You could be insulin resistant, you could have inflammatory PCOS, you could have post-pill PCOS, and you could have androgen excess PCOS. So we need to understand what the difference is. is. So we need to understand that if you don't have androgen excess, then you don't have PCOS. So even if you have polycystic ovaries, and that's true even if you have regular periods and no periods, there are lots of reasons for no periods, including the very common HA or hypothetic amenorrhea, which we had Sarah Liz King. And I've spoken about on various topics and podcasts on HA, so it's really important to know the difference. And this is a lack of periods due to under-eating or under-eating carbs or, under, or over-exercising or over-training. That's generally what can happen. So insulin resistance means you have high insulin, which I've spoken about already. The treatment for insulin resistance PCOS is to reverse your insulin resistance with diet, exercise, and supplements. Some supplements that can really, really be helpful are magnesium and myo-inositol. And there's a 70% chance your, your PCOS is insulin resistant. So it's the most common one. Um, and the best way to test for insulin resistance is to measure the hormone insulin, not your glucose levels. So you need to make sure that that's being tested right. Then we've got post-pill PCOS. So if you're certain you do not have insulin resistance, let's move on to post-pill. Did your symptoms start when you came off the pill? So it's pretty common to experience a temporary surge in androgens when coming off um, some of the pills like Yasmin, Yaz, Diane, or Brenda. So combined pills, basically. And under current diagnostic guidelines, that temporary surge in androgens is enough to qualify for the diagnosis of, po- of PCOS or post-pill PCOS. With the post-pill PCOS patients that I kind of work with or the clients that I work with, I kind of recommend kind of making sure that you're staying, you're, you're stressed and you're staying calm is, and your stress levels are low. And it's also looking at likes to say dim or zinc or uh, peony or licorice can also help as well. But I would make sure that you're talking to a doctor and a med- med- uh, medical professional before doing any of this stuff. 
And if the solution is to go back on the pill, if you're missing your cycles, the pill is not the solution. That is literally put a plaster over a broken arm. That's not going to happen. You, if you, you have post PCOS, post pill PCOS. If you meet the criteria for PCOS, excess androgen and other conditions ruled out. Plus, you do not have insulin resistance. Plus, symptoms started when trying to come off the pill. If you did not just come off the pill, or off, uh, I think, spironolactone as well, or had problems before birth control. It could be a sign of inflammatory or chronic inflammation in your body as well. So if you didn't, if you had your cycle before you went on the pill and you've lost your cycle now because of the pill or through overexercise or whatever, maybe it could be post-pill PCOS. So then it's inflammatory PCOS. Inflammatory PCOS is when chronic inflammation can stimulate the ovaries to make too much testosterone. When chronic inflammation is a primary driver, it's inflammatory PCOS. The treatment for this type is it could mean kind of looking at your gut health issues. It could look at histamine intolerance. Mm. It could look at potentially reducing dairy content. And that and that could be something to be looked into. I know for myself, I it's normally dairy for me is danger in the dose. It's not me, I'm fully lactose intolerant. It's just danger in the dose. If yeah. someone has been susceptible to ear and throat infections as a kid, there could be some sort of struggle to break down the likes of dairy and stuff like that. So just keep that in mind. So the supplement zinc and uh, could help with and work particularly well for those with inflammatory PCOS. You have inflammatory PCOS if you meet the criteria for PCOS. Plus, you do not have insulin resistance. Plus, you're not in a temporary post-pill phase. Plus, you have signs and symptoms of inflammation such as fatigue, bowel movements or IBS or SIBO, uh, Hashimoto's thyroid disease, headaches, joint pain, skin condition like psoriasis or eczema or hives. If you do not have chronic inflammation, you may have adrenal PCOS. So you make, make sure if you have any of the ones that after insulin resistance PCOS, you do not have insulin resistance PCOS. Yeah. Uh, so adrenal PCOS is an elevation of androgens, including testosterone, and from the ovaries and DHEAS from the adrenal glands. If you have only elevated DHS but normal testosterone, then you may have adrenal PCOS, which accounts for about 10% of PCOS. So compared to insulin resistance, which is 70%, adrenal PCOS is about 10%. Adrenal PCOS is similar to the genetic condition uh, called CAH, uh, congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Adrenal PCOS is not driven by insulin resistance or inflammation. Instead, it's an epigenetic, epigenetic upregulation of adrenal androgens. Treatments include magnesium, zinc, licorice, adipose, herbs uh vitamin b5 and the anti-stress factor sometimes oh. these for these these things are right out i can't even pronounce them some of them um in addition to treating the underlying driver of your pcos you may also require a natural anti androgen supplement if you're still confused go back to the drawing board and look at do you truly have pcos or is it ha if yeah. you've been missing your cycle for over three months, you have HA and you may be putting yourself at a health risk. So if you are coming from binge eating disorder or binge eating recovery and you've no cycle, please go and talk to a mental health professional. But if they try to put you onto the pill, it's not the solution. The yeah. pill will not help with HA. Please save that snippet and it's not going to help. Um, so I think that is an important there's an awful lot there and i did a post i put it up the post today on the day of recording this if you go back to like the 14th of the 7th i kind of put a little bit more snippets and stuff so there's an awful lot to it and i think it's important to 
to kind of listen to that side of stuff. But we need to look at it from a now, from a point of view of nutritional interventions and what yeah. we can do. So one of the questions that kind of came is, what suits better, fat or carbs for PCOS? Dallas. Hey, before I answer that, I actually want to ask one question that I think a lot of people would like to know. If it's post-pill PCOS, right, does that mean PCOS disappears? No. And that's a big key there for everybody. So a lot of people want to see it as in, oh, I'm going to cure everything. Right. It's not. It's it's a cause there that is actually there with you, but you're going to manage the symptoms. And that's all I want people to recognize. There. Yeah, I think it's important to like understand that like generally when people are being put onto the pill by medical professionals, it could be to manage your pain and your, your bleeds and stuff like that. And then that's a case for it. But you have to be in you have to understand that if you go on the pills or any of the combined pill like Yasmin and Diane and Brent, all that kind of stuff that generally people are given to with PCOS, but the pill can worsen your insulin resistance. So yeah. that needs to be taken into a pact as well. But there's another one that some people can be advised, which is metformin. And that can help with insulin resistance. But if you're someone that has IBS or SIBO or issues with your good health, that can cause digestive issues. And you may need to look at your B12 issues or your b12 levels alongside it so it's kind of like there are options yeah. but if someone if you're really really struggling from it and it's like it's it's crippling then that, that the pill may be the solution but yeah. if you're looking for from another point of view you just be be mindful with if you're insulin resistant pcos and you've matched the criteria that we spoke i've spoken about there a second ago just be mindful that it can worsen your insulin resistance if yeah. you have ior cool just want to make sure everyone had that a little bit there. So, so to answer the question on carbs and fats, obviously it depends on your piece of rest. Um, if you're going to be insulin resistant, um, you're going to have to look at the fact that you want a lower-ish amount of carbs. That mean keto? No, but <laughs> if you are a person who wants to go keto, by all means, put yourself through all the suffering that is going to come from it. I highly don't recommend it. Um, I think both of us don't really recommend it. No, keto is shit crack. Exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. Tried it for, what, two, three weeks? And then I was like, no. And usually you need you need about four to five weeks to truly get your uh, ketosis levels in. And taking a supplement to get you to the aspect of ketosis is not going to work either. So don't believe that nonsense. But it's more of an aspect. So you want more of a lower carb aspect. Lower carb does not mean zero. And it doesn't mean also that you're not eating anything. It means you're being now more conscious of what you're eating. So that means you're looking at your fruits, you're looking at your vegetables as some of your main drivers of carbs. But you're also looking at it in the sense that you don't want too high of a spike. When it comes to some people, I also recommend fat because the reason behind that is for a lot of people, fat can also be very satiating. It can actually be a very good aspect in terms of helping regulate their hunger throughout the day, which is beautiful. So that means like what you effectively want to do is start recognizing how your body works with your PCOS. So instead of going, I'm going to shove myself into one ideology that I have to eat literally no carbs or eat all the fat, it's actually start recognizing how your body works. And then when you pair that as like you were saying, with exercise, you start noting that you have this range of where you find carbs are going to be a little bit more efficient for you. And then you know where fats are going to fall nicely with it. Now, obviously, we can talk in fats and say that like clearly you want to go more mono and polyunsaturated fats. 
on that. Can you side. give an example of mono and polyunsaturated and trans fats and stuff? So stay away from trans fats in the sense of, you know, hydrogenated, uh, completely hydrogenated oils. So if you want to think about it, where you're going to find the hydrogenated oils are predominantly going to be in your baked goods and the likes of butter and margarine. So you want to lower that up. In terms of looking at your mon monos and polys, you're looking at your nuts, you're looking at your avocado oils, you're looking at your olive oils, you're looking at trying to bring those into your diet in a more helpful way. So that means that if you're looking at it, you can go, right, I'm going to use some olive oil, I'm going to use avocado oil through some salads, or if I'm going to do low cooking temperatures, I can bring in a little bit of some coconut in there. But also using the fats from nuts is going to be a big, big key player as well. So you can bring that in to kind of really regulate your fat side of things. Saturated fat, it's still, how do we say it's a yes and a no in what I mean is that research is still saying that you kind of need saturated fat. But you also don't want to be going to the moon and back when it comes to eating saturated fat. So the way I usually do it is that if you're having some form of meat within the week, you're going to be getting a good amount of saturated fat, usually from the fat from the meat, and that's good. Don't look at it and go, if you're having meat for lunch, say red meat with steaks for lunch and dinner, six, seven days a week, you're now looking at where you're pushing the saturated fat. Yes, there's also some saturated fat in milk and yogurt, but it's not high quantities. So when you start bringing your body into the equation, you can start catering to what you need. So you're going to notice that you're going to need a certain amount of carbs for your training and everyday life. And you're also going to need a certain amount of fat to keep your satiety in check and also you in check. And trying to base it around your life. I know this is a very it depends question, because it really is, it depends on you. And I want, that's what I want everyone to So when I'm working with uh, the PCOS woman, it's always like, right, where can we pull carbs from and see how we feel? Where do we, if we add a bit of carbs, do we see how we feel and what do we notice? And what happens when we change the ability of fat and protein? When we play around with that, we start noticing these things start to make a little bit more sense. That means that if you look at one person PCOS, they could be eating very low carbs, but high fat. And you look at your friend who says PCOS, they could be having someone that's pretty much higher-ish carbs and low fat. So it's playing around with what is necessary for, to, for you to see success, but also for you to feel good in yourself and for you to do what is necessary. Would you add any more to it? I think it's also important to kind of say about like there's no perfect macro split in relation to the likes of PCOS, as Dallas has, has very well put there, that it is about playing around with how you react to certain foods. As you said, like Jane may react to a carb in a different, like a slice of bread or whatever in a certain way, but may react to brown rice in a different way. So it is important. And even the studies, like twins react to the same foods in a oh, different yeah. way. I don't think people realize that they may have the same genetic makeup, but they won't have the same gut microbiome. Exactly. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, it's it's 100% a big thing. It's like trying to drive home the point that I know like we were having a discussion with you look and like diabetics. So when we dealing with diabetics, you've got obviously the uh, insulin release and you've got the glucose curve, um, but like postprandial curve, right? So essentially like when you eat food, you're going to see a spike within insulin. You're going to see a spike in glucose released into the system, right? Now, you can look at that per basis. I know this is again a little bit more out of the round, but just to give you an idea, each person's response to a meal, to a carb, to a certain food will be different. So for instance, I can eat oats 
right? And I can eat a massive helping of oats and I won't get a big, massive spike in my insulin or my release in glucose. But I could say, Shane, go, right, you eat the same portion and 30 minutes later get the complete postprandial somnolence. You get that slowdown effect just because of how the body actually interacting with it and how the body ends up using it. So it's key to understand that, like as you were saying, you can truly turn your diet into something that's meant to be for you. And that's the idea of the diet. It's working around you and what you need. So there is no perfect macro split. There is no, it needs to be X amount of carbs, X amount of fat or X amount of protein. It's right. What do you need to get the results you need? What do you need to feel better in yourself? Yeah, I think it's important to like bring in the likes of omegas as well, omega-3 into like the likes of supplementation with that. I think they're kind of fats that are sometimes forgotten, like the likes of oily fish through salmon and stuff. And some people may not like fish, but it's important to supplement. And I know we've spoken about it and Dallas has spoken about it on this podcast already. Like if you are supplementing with it, the the repeating effect of the tablet, it's a little bit mild discomfort for a little while. It's not, it's, it does calm down. And I think it's important to kind of make sure that you are supplementing with potentially vitamin D, the likes of uh, omega-3 and then myonostol can really, really help, particularly for those with IOR or insulin resistance uh, on that side of things. The one of the questions that, or I, I know I was having a chat and I'm the, the girl's probably going to listen to this episode um, through my DMs in relation to like, I'm on this amount of calories mm. and I'm not losing weight. And I've put on stone since I got diagnosed with PCOS. And I think people getting diagnosed with PCOS can be a little bit of a, it takes a little bit of a, adjusting to the mind that you have. Like I've had two clients diagnosed with this since we got to go to the test. I was like, well, this is probably what's happening. So let's go and get the tests. Mm. And they're like, oh, this explains so much. So it can be a thing of like, this explains why this is happening. But it also can be like, oh, shit, now and latching on to that kind of like as a new identity. Just because you have PCOS doesn't mean the world is over. Yeah. You can still, if you choose, you can still lose weight. Doesn't mean you have to lose weight. Weight management can definitely help if someone's coming from a, a, a little bit higher body fat percentage or a little bit heavier weight. But weight management can definitely help. But people can latch onto the ideology of latching onto these numbers of, oh, my BMR can be up to 40% slower than some that doesn't have. But that doesn't necessarily, it's the full 40%. Yes. It could be 2%. It could be 20%. It could be 39%. doesn't necessarily mean it's full 40%. Weight loss is still possible with PCOS yeah. if you've decided to do that route. But it's also setting yourself up for success, which is the next question is, what are the best calories for PCOS? S. Dallas rant. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that allow you to lose weight. Uh, there is none and there never will be. It's person dependent, it's PMR dependent, it's meat dependent, it's psychological dependent. It is everything dependent on the damn person. And everyone wants the quick fix. Everyone wants the this is the number and everything is going to fall into place without recognizing that everything that goes into that. So it's like, if you are not losing weight, then something needs to change. That means there is something not working, whether that be you're not accurately tracking calories or you're not actually accounting for calories if you're not tracking, whether your steps have gone down, whether meat has gone down, where you 
in intentionally sabotaging yourself or actually just deciding that, you know, I'm not going to account that little sip of coffee that had creamer in it, or I'm not going to account that I nibbled on a little bit of cake. These things matter, whether it's you spending time to get sufficient sleep, where you're actually trying to ad actually adhering and being consistent with what you need to do, not, hey, I've done two days, I stepped on the scale, and why am I not 40 kilograms down? Like, that's not going to help you. But it's also the story you tell yourself. So it's also, if you are not losing weight, there is something not going to plan. Your key from that is should give you a little bit of excitement to go, right, what do I need to do to figure out what is stopping me? I think it's also important that if you are working with someone and that ass hat decides to give you 800 or 1200 calories, buy a loaf of bread and just fuck it at their heads. Because I've, I'm, I'm, the reason why I get so agitated about it is the amount of DMs that I've gotten in the last 10 days before this podcast about a particular coach, there's three particular coaches, but one in particular that has put on his clients on 1,000 calories, 800 calories. And I'm I got I get angry about it because that person doesn't give a shit about the person. That person gives a shit about a transformation. Yep. They're not setting you up for success. Fair enough if you want to go on a holiday in six weeks, like and and you want to go down and you know you're gonna put the weight back on afterwards, by all means go a little bit lower calories. But eight hundred calories or twelve hundred calories is the dietary recommendation for a four year old. Like even like what I sent you a presentation last night on yeah. obesity, and um, which was like I had a wonderful time going through it because it's got so many beautiful graphs on literally like how fat and cortisol and uh, GLP one comes in and all these things. And they're going ooh, but there was a wonderful slide on it that came to it where going majority of people when they're in the obese side of things do a very low calorie diet, so uh, VLCD, right, which is often eight hundred calories for six weeks. Yeah, changes their lives, right? However, a one-year follow-up finds that pretty much of the 10 to 20 kgs they've lost in that six weeks, more than half to three-quarters of it is put back on. So is the diet working or is it the fact that the diet is not set up for the person and the lifestyle to occur? So everyone goes, but like I've lost weight. But it's like if you put on half to three-quarters of it, and still have the same issues, and now you have a myriad of other issues that come with it, so whether it be psychological issues, or whether it be actual physical food issues, or how you see yourself, because unless you're eating 800 calories, you're no longer doing the diet, and that's a problem, now we've got a massive knock-on effect. So that means that the only way you can adhere is if you push yourself into the worst-case scenario. And how does that lead you to the end goal? Because that means every single time you want to get somewhere, you need to put yourself into a box and make yourself feel like absolute shit to get somewhere. But then it's like, but you could have changed this simply by recognizing that it would take a little bit longer. You know, psychologically, you'd be better. You wouldn't have the higher chances of, you know, knock-on effects from uh, diet disorders. You would have a better self-esteem. You would look at yourself in a better way. You would appreciate the journey. And you can come at it as a better person. But 800 calories you know, makes us feel better, doesn't it? You also have to bring in the element of those with 
with uh, PCOS are can be more prone to mental health issues. And those are mental health issues, and I know I've been one, um, he struggled to break down what's filter the right information in and and kind of like break it down and kind of break it into logic. Logic doesn't really prevail sometimes with when you're de- when you're that in that headspace. Sure. And that can be like oh, I'm going for the quick fix of this, but I'm not giving it any disregard for your overall health, not giving any disregard for your health, your mental health. Mm. And I think it's important to look at it from a point of view of not looking for that quick fix, not going for the 800, 1200 calories that potentially your coach and like people will go on my fitness pal right now and they'll go hang on my fitness pal is telling me 1200 calories yes but my fitness pal is telling you that number because you've entered in i want two pounds of weight loss without having the the foundations right yet yeah you can control and edit my fitness pal as much as you want and it's it's my fitness pal is a tool it is not a death sentence you need to remember that my fitness pal is only as accurate as the person using that app if you are saying you're going out for a brownie in the morning and you're saying that you typed into brownie as 300 calories, you are lying to yourself. It's a fuckload more than 300 calories, that brownie that you've potentially had. So you need to look at it from like, look at the foundations, work with someone with PC, like with someone who has PCOS, work with someone, mm-hmm. invest in yourself. It could give you the freedom of how to manage yourself going forward. Yeah. There's the likes of Mary Jo. MJ is incredible. There's the likes of Halton. Orla is incredible. There's the likes of PCOS nutritionist, Claire. There's the likes of us here if you wanted to work with us. Jane is incredible. Dallas is incredible at doing it. And it's important to latch on and work with someone. And this isn't the this isn't the plug for me or anyone else like that. If it was a plug, I wouldn't have mentioned the other people that I've mentioned. There's also the likes of the Fit Clinic. Michelle over there with the got the crew that they have over there is incredible. Brian O'Hengisa over in uh Triage. Like there's people out there that can help you. Mm that point you in the direction, but it's just taking that time and saying, right, this approach hasn't worked for me before with the low calories. And I'm setting myself up for a failure every single time. Comes back to the line of the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and never getting expecting or expecting different results. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you're not prepared to accept that the low calorie options and your foundations aren't correct, nothing will change. And that leads into one of the questions that came in, how do you stay motivated when you don't see change? when things can be slower with PCOS, they can be slower, yeah. but it also allows you to build the block by block. When you're building a house, you set foundations, you brick by brick, brick by brick. You don't go in and just kind of like, here's a flat pack house and set no foundations because it's just going to blow over. It's the exact same thing. That house is set on sound foundations. If we set it on foundations of matchsticks, it's just going to collapse. And the matchsticks are kind of like collapse. And most people's, Diet or nutrition outlook is set on those, unfortunately, on those matchsticks. When people are how to stay motivated when you don't see changes. As Dallas has mentioned, are you adhering? Are you setting yourself up for a failure with very low calories? Are you binging? If you are binging compared to emotional eating, they're two very, very different things. Binge eating is you don't have control of when you and of when to stop. Emotional eating is you can stop any time, but your emotions are getting on top of you. Two very different things. True. So be mindful of your language. Jamie uh, Rice, Jamie's Diet Guide, one of my most sarcastic people I've ever interviewed. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I think he was born sarcastic. 
I think it's on his birth cert. But Jamie talks about it, and there's amazing people with, uh, like, we've got Harriet Fru coming on to talk about it. I've got one of our very brave clients coming on about how she's kind of overcome her binge eating and stuff like that coming on too. But it's about, like, if you're, if you've struggled with your eating and struggle to regulate your emotions, and then you're going to very low calories, that's like running into the traffic and expecting not to get hit by a car. It's the summer stresses. Like I know we're talking a little bit about stress before. It, it, it's it's trying to get people to understand that everything we do is going to provide a stress in some way and form. If you are psychologically stressed and you're going to go, right, I am going to do a low-calorie diet, which is going to provide physiological stress to the system, you're going to have a break somewhere in the system. And it like, the, the nicest way of looking in terms of this or seeing it is when we see um, females and especially men as well, when they want to go compete and be bodybuilders to step on stage and get ridiculously lean, watch how they start their diet and watch the mood and watch how life stresses get in the way. And then you see halfway through it, it's they're snapping. They, they, they can't deal with things. They're, they're struggling to Been do there. anything. Sleep goes out the window relationships go out the libido goes to shit exactly so it's like the body goes we need to keep this person alive so something has to change and that even means a person is going to in some way or form overeat or they're going to have a shutdown somewhere in the system and And for girls that's normally the the, the, the life cycle goes and so like now this is where you see things occurring so it's like you're taking a stressor and you're going oh no like this is already taking a lot of my time and going, it's okay. Let me go put a dump truck on it and go, hey, look, everything's going to be fine. And then you end up noticing things go wrong. So it's like, take a little bit of an approach that goes, right, I need to consider not only my psychological aspect to it and my physiological, but I need them to be blended so that way I can get the best result. But it's also when it comes to motivation and going like, oh, I'm motivated to keep going. It's also... When you look at it, motivation follows application. It's like if you're Jade not... Jade is just going to go like this now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you're not applying and you're not putting the time and effort into doing the work, you're not going to see the motivation coming. There's nothing to follow it. And that's the biggest thing. So it's like you need to recognize it. And I know the conversation you had um, for the podcast coming out soon on resilience it yeah. was a similar yeah. aspect. There needs to be empathy. There needs to be compassion for yourself, but you also need to look at it from the aspect that you have to put the work in. That's when you will start seeing motivation. Because but, yeah, but uh, that episode that Dallas just mentioned there about resilience was uh, was out whatever day this is going oh. out was on one ninety five. But it is what you said there about putting in the work. It's important that we're not meaning that you know, need to go and spend endless hours amount of cardio or endless amounts of training. It's important that that line is set. Like for most people that are with PCOS, weight training or resistance training two, three times a week, plus a little bit of cardio or HIIT training will be beneficial for what you're trying to do. If you're stressed and sleep is absolute shit, I would try to remove the HIIT training because your body may not recover. You may need to do more. You may need to do less. It depends on how you recover. If your body is sore all the time, it means you're under-recovered. And when we get fitter or when we're in rest or recovering, that's when we got fitter. It's not actually through the actual exercise itself. So if you're looking to set yourself up for success, follow these steps. Three, weights training, 
sessions a week. A little bit of hit at the end of a session if you feel up to it. Add in some steps to get a cup of coffee or whatever. Add some morning routine to into your life to get a cup of coffee and uh, get a little bit of daylight exposure in the mornings. Stay the fuck away from 800 and 1200 calories. Supplementation with the likes of vitamin D, omega-3, myo-inositol. There are other ones which I'll talk, talk about in a sec, like B12 and stuff, um, which I'll talk about in a sec. But it's important for you, if you have PCOS, it doesn't mean that things can't happen. It just means that potentially the structure and the routine that you have in place at the minute is setting yourself up for a fall. When changes aren't happening, it's a feedback that something isn't right. If mm. someone isn't getting a promotion at work and getting overlooked at work, what happens is we get a little bit pissed off, but when we look at it internally as well, that person's probably doing a little bit more sales than me. That person's hitting their targets. That person's showing up a little bit more than me. But do we get that pissed off? No, but it's important to understand it's the exact same thing. If something isn't working for you, yeah. are you being impatient to fuck? If something hasn't changed for you in, say, if, if say if you're doing measuring your your weight it's always important to track your cycle first but you also have to say it from point of view is like weeks or like weeks compare your week one of your cycle post bleed in say june to week one of your cycle post bleed in july if your cycle of pcos is a little bit irregular you're just gonna have to do your like weeks or like weeks and it's important for you to know uh, when that cycle is happening some girls can be up to 60 days so it's really important that you may need to like look at that the weight won't go down every single week you need to look at, are you actually applying what you're doing? Are you going from, say, 1,200 calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you're going to 2,500 Thursday, 3,000, 3,000, 3,000 because you fucked up your diet. That's mm -hmm. 15,100 calories in a week. But when you could potentially be better off saying to yourself, well, I'm going to have 1,700 for the week on average um, and give myself permission to have that a little bit more. And that's kind of working out about 11.9, I think it is. Mm -hmm. and that could be better but if you're aiming for 1200 calories and you're saying you're 1200 calories it's 8400 calories it's not a whole lot of food it's not a whole lot of wiggle, wiggle room but those who are saying they're on 1200 calories you're not on 1200 calories your metabolism isn't broken either um you potentially need to feed yourself a little bit more to get things going again but your metabolism isn't broken yep. um because your pcos doesn't mean things can't be done it's just you need to look at the feedback is telling you something's a little bit off. You also need to look at, are you being impatient? Is your sleep and stress a little bit off? Are you potentially going too aggressive and not actually sticking to it? Are you binge eating to, uh, or emotional eating? Mm. It's important to differentiate between those two again. And are you struggling with those particular times of the month regarding PMS? Yeah. And that's when the permission to give yourself that little bit more fuel can almost change your life. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah, I think, I think I'll go on to that bit now. Will I go on to that bit now? Yeah, go for it, go for it, Um. So the first thing that, like, one of the questions that kind of came in was food strategies to deal with severe PMS. So we need to understand that, like, what PMS is uh, first. And with, with those with PCOS, PMS can be a little bit more aggressive. And I'll never understand from a psychological point of view. I can read as much as I want, all that kind of stuff. From So I'm not trying to belittle anything that you've said. So, so I don't want some person to come back to me with, you'll never understand. 
I will do my best to understand, but you have to give us guys a break. From coaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women from regulating their cycles, I know what I'm talking about. Um, the first thing is you need to understand and track your cycle. The likes of Clue, the likes of Kindara, or a good old-fashioned pen and paper are really helpful. So track your cycle is my first point of call. You need to look at like both, you've got two hormones or two main hormones with their both estrogen and progesterone. And these are really, really powerful tools. And they need to make sure that you're, when with PMS, your estrogen boosts your serotonin and your oxytocin. It improves libido, it improves mood, and it enhances insulin sensitivity. So if your insulin or if your estrogen is a little bit off, those things can go and, and dysregulate a little bit. Progesterone is your soothing hormone. So think of it, your calming hormone. And that kind of comes in for the last two weeks coming up. And it connects with your GABA receptors. It is also anti-inflammatory and supports thyroid function. So if you have thyroid issues on top of PCOS, you need to make sure that your medication is at the right level. If you are unsure of your thyroid issue, or anything like that, please go and talk to your doctor to get your thyroid checked. Okay? So people with thyroid can lose weight if their meds are at the right level. If they're not at the right level, you're setting yourself up for a fall again. Uh, Dallas is the thyroid king, though, so I'm going to let the thyroid king over there talk a little bit. Uh, it's because your hormones are so beneficial that you feel when you, re you rise and fall and you fluctuate and stuff like that. But fluctuation isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm. Hormones fluctuate because they're made in cyclical patterns yeah. uh, with ovulation. So in the middle of your cycle, ovulation should occur. The height of being of your cycle is that two-week or mid-range of your cycle where ovulation occurs. That's where you're going to get pregnant if you are trying. And that is the only way and that's the only time that that can happen. So your hormones are going to fluctuate, but it's important to understand what, what is kind of like what can be done. So Lara Bryden talks about the PMS cure. And this is some of the stuff that she has brought up. She talks about enhancing and stabilizing progesterone. So women with PMS and PMDD, which is a severe form of PMS, which can lead to um, mental health issues and anxiety disorder so if you do struggle from those things go to please go and talk to a mental health professional and your doctor to get the right prescription for your drugs or your med or your meds if it needs to be or go and talk to someone so uh have GABA receptors in the brain that are more sensible to the ups and downs of progesterone the strategy is to stabilize the GABA receptors and establish progesterone resilience treatments ideas include kind of likes of uh, magnesium and vitamin b6 mm -hmm. uh consider taking vitex if you are on mental health uh tablets or medication please do not take vitex uh, especially citrulline yeah um and which supports progesterone suits pmdd with its mild opiate effect and consider maybe taking a natural progesterone tablet or a capsule but talk to your doctor reduce estrogen excess so estrogen is a great hormone it's your beyonce hormone so it, but if you experience your premenstrual irritability and breast tenderness, it may be a sign that you have a little too much estrogen in your body at any one time. The main way that estrogen contributes to PMS is that it can cause women or, or worsen histamine intolerance as well. So treatment ideas that reduce histamine uh, by potentially reducing or looking at your dairy intake if you struggle with that element of it. That doesn't mean take it out because if you take it out completely, that can worsen things as well because if you start to reach and it back in, you could cause uh, a little bit of discomfort for yourself. Look at your, your dairy, or you look at your alcohol consumption. 
reduce your high histamine foods as well. Supplement with potential vitamin B6 to assist with healthy clearance of histamine and estrogen. Ensure adequate iodine, which stabilizes and then regulates estrogen receptors. Iodine with thyroid, do not mix. I knew Dallas was going to call me out, so I had to say it before he, uh, before he got me. And improve gut health. People do not realize the value of actually getting plenty of veggies in, plenty of whole grain foods in to improve your how you feel. And also the only way for you to get rid of your old cycle is to shit it out. <laughs> it's like a snakeskin. The only way that it's going to get rid of and the other one to form is you need to poo it out. So oh. if you are struggling with your cramps around like that, it's a sign that something's not right and your balance yeah. isn't right with your estrogen. So the only way to get rid of your old estrogen and get you rid of your new estrogen and your new cycle is to poo it out. So fiber, 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 water stress, the works. So sorry, I didn't say that in a very poetic manner. I think I'm starting to get hungry. Uh, <laughs> I've lost the plot now. I've done a rabbit hole. I'm not coming back. Uh, so the thing is that we need to kind of reduce inflammation. Uh, so we can look at kind of magnesium is a great one there uh, and gut health is, is like when inflammation is high it impedes ovulation and depletes progesterone and if we're depleting our progesterone we're depleting our soothing hormone or a calming hormone we can we need to look at managing our stress calm is a great app i know you came up with an app recently you were talking yourself yeah. and jane about it um john cabbage in he's uh, the mindfulness uh, center like he goes through teaching on that as well it's Amazing, especially when he talks through it because he will tell you why you're doing the very aspect. Amazing. Um, Ashkawanda can help with that as well. And I think a lot of people can be resistant to come, can be reluctant when they hear that name, but it can definitely help. Uh, breathing, uh, cold showers, morning routine, uh, putting boundaries in place. Yeah. The one thing that I would say to someone about a boundary, if it's kind of like with work and stuff like that, we've doing a lot of work on kind of like finding out what our values are. So goals are all well and good, but we'll always do what we value more. So if you say that you value uh, holidays and you're not taking any holidays, you don't truly value it. If you are valuing spending time with your kids and you're not spending time with your kids, you don't value spending time with your kids. So your actions are speaking louder than your words. So if you're stuck in the office all day and you're saying I'm going to finish at six o'clock and you're still at your desk at nine o'clock, that's because you value doing that more than whatever you're else meant to do. And you're saying you don't have time, yeah. but then nine o'clock will happen. And then love Island comes on and oh. you'll watch love Island rather than sort your own shit out. Yeah. I'm getting hungry now. I can feel it. But uh, <laughs> we are not saying that there are times. Yes. We will need to spend a little bit longer at work. We all get it. it oh yeah. 100%. Like sometimes you have to, like, as I call it, some, sometimes you have to eat shit at work. Like. If every single day is looking the same way, then the question I like to ask is what are you running away from? Nobody likes that question. <laughs> what are you hiding from? And I, and I'm, and I, and I'm going to put my old hands up the first two lockdowns, threw myself into work too much. Oh. And then I hit burnout. So I've been there. Um, yeah. and I knew what I was running away from and it wasn't a fun time and so i wouldn't encourage it if you find that you're running away from something you need to figure out why you're running away from one but you also need to to actually look at what your true core values are and that's where it takes soul searching because if you value holidays well then why not try to save up every month for a holiday every quarter or every couple of months or whatever maybe then that can link you into it, your value doesn't have to be done every day doesn't have to be done every month or whatever maybe but if your if your true value is actually going on a holiday or a staycation with your family 
well then what actions are being brought in towards that value mm-hmm. um migraines can happen as well for some people um so they can be triggered by a drop in estrogen uh, and that's kind of why when the premenstrual phase is a little bit dangerous for some, for those with migraines 70 percent uh, can suffer from from that birth control ain't the solution for migraines um magnesium uh vitamin b2 or riboflavin reduced by uh, can reduce your migraines by about 50 percent mm-hmm. um because it normalizes the production of serotonin regarding the cravings and stuff this is where you're going to start being sound to yourself so this is where you're going to start to give yourself permission to have that little bit more food normally they kind of say about two to fifty calories but if you need that little bit more please you take it but it's important for you to bring in the whole mindful eating element to it because your your pms coming through and when girls have more have more pms they could be have blocked down an awful lot of their emotions for the other two three weeks of the, of the month and then those emotions kind of come through like a volcano. So it's important to work on yourself continuously throughout the month in order to work with those emotions. Because if you're emotional eating at that particular week, it's because you're pushing down the other stuff throughout the rest of the month. Mm. It's not when we're talking about giving ourselves permission to have that more calories. It's not it's not giving ourselves permission to kind of go off and not come back or whatever it may be. It's understanding that whatever emotion is present food isn't going to solve it but a little bit more food for yourself to fuel yourself is definitely going to help you feel and like have that chocolate have those whole grain carbohydrates but if you're kind of going off left field or whatever it may be with your food and you're pressing the fuck up button or whatever it may be you need to look at what emotion is being suppressed and that's something that we've worked an awful lot we've got mood and food journals uh Anne's episode 192 she talks about the mood and food journal uh, Mia's episode will be out uh, one nine eight, and she talks about how she's overcome eating habits and stuff with with ourselves. Give yourself permission to eat regular meals. You don't crave sugar. That's a great story you tell ourselves. You don't crave chocolate. You only crave things. Your body can't tell you what it craves. When we get tired or emotional, our brain clicks in and says, "What's the quickest point of energy I can get into my body? Carbs or sugar are the two that it goes to." That's essentially what's happening. But when we're at that point, or when girls are at that point, when estrogen and serotonin are dropping, which are normal appetite, appetite suppressants, your appetite goes up when those drop. So that's essentially what's happening. So we need to have regular meals to make sure our blood sugar stay consistent. You don't crave sugar. If you crave sugar, you will be snorting bags of sugar. For anyone who's in Australia or New Zealand or England, sugar is Irish sugar. Um, protein, regular protein feedings, get your sleep on track for those who struggle with the sleep what boundaries have you on place are you scrolling on your phone are you looking at laptops have you got blue light blocking glasses have you got blackout windows track your cycle yep. it will give you the freedom to understand you if you don't understand your body how it works how can you expect your partner to understand that and that's really really important so give yourself permission there's i've done pms episodes i was on the brian Keane podcast talking about how to get a little bit more food and magnesium can help zinc can help increasing the food a little bit more regular meals whole grain carbs more veggies fill up those plates with veggies 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 that will also help with your getting rid of that that excess estrogen so that you can get rid of your old cycle remember the only way to get rid of your old cycle is to shit it out <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's, the that's that's the lesson here um so one of the other questions that kind of came in i know we've got two more topics i'm not even sure how long this episode's going to go on for uh is there anything in the diet that would tackle the excess hair 
this is one of those things that I think I think people are looking for something that's potentially not there. Yeah. Um, a, yeah. <laughs> it's no. away. Um, it's also it's coming to terms of it is a byproduct of your PCOS. It's going to be there. Some women will naturally have more growth than others. And that's going to happen. You can try and limit it by all means. You can go to laser surgery, you can do waxing, you can do shaving, you can do heat treatments for that as well to do it. But the excess androgens are going to be the primary cause to the hair growth. Yeah. So, diet wise, is there something true you can do? You can low scientifically speaking and kind of talk about it from a point of view is managing your insulin resistance out so if you are i or insulin resistant uh, you need to control your insulin levels first of all because that can lead to more hair growth so which can lead to more uh levels of higher testosterone which is where the hair is coming from so more in more insulin means more testosterone and more testosterone means more unwanted hair so we need to look at it from a point of view looking at recommending foods like on the on the low gi index which can help to regulate your blood sugar levels. It's kind of eating whole whole grain carbs, which I've spoken about before, more veggies, that kind of stuff. And this will gradually regulate your 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 insulin levels. Like whole grain bread. Like see, bread's not bad. Whoever thinks bread is bad, it's not bad. Um I'd be locked up if it was bad. Uh brown rice, quinoa, oats, and legumes are are really, really great examples of whole grain stuff. Some, if you have potentially finding a dosage for your dairy consumption, like yeah. unless you're severely lactose intolerant, uh, it could be just danger in the dose. But mm. it's it's one of those things that it can help. Uh, there's like oats, soy, coconut almond. There's loads of different options you can put into your coffee or whatever it may be. Uh, I do think it's important to make sure that like my own asal can also help, which we've spoken about two to four grams of that. My protein have a bulk powders have it. Um, yeah. Go on to examine.com if you're looking for where to get your supplements or, or where for your research for your supplements. It's the best resource out in there at the minute. It's free. So, and if you want to pay for it, if you're a PT, listen to this and you haven't got it, get it. Um, hair removal, shaving, bleaching, yeah. uh, plucking, laser hair removal. Uh, so, Realistically, there's like the the main one would be probably the the the, the higher GI diet or the mm -hmm. the more whole grain option. But realistically, it's not going to be a not it's not going to be a huge determinant if I'm being 100 percent honest. No. Um, the last one is in relation to fatigue. Mm -hmm. So, in order to treat PMS fatigue, we need to understand why it's happening. If we don't understand why it's happening, it's like looking going into the hospital say i'm sore and the doctor's like what are you talking about like you need to understand what's going on first so there's two types of fatigue that could come in inflammatory fatigue and this is the this is kind of most common when progesterone drops away as this is an anti-inflammatory hormone and feels like you have the flu that's what the symptom kind of feels like the best treatments include magnesium b6 zinc and if you are have an issue with dairy just danger in the dose and then there's adrenal axis fatigue or HPA, HPA adrenal axis fatigue. And 
this is a problem with your stress response to certain things. So losing progesterone uh, at the end of your cycle can destabilize your HPA and feel stressed or more agitated, more irritable. Magnesium, B6, ashwagandha are the three that I'd probably recommend on that. Sleep, 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 sleep um, is also a factor. And one of the ones that I don't think is looked into enough is the lack of iron. The lack of iron. Mm. It's important to make sure that you are getting your iron levels checked when you're going to get your 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 bloods done. It's common with those with PCOS. If you suffer from heavy bleeds, you may be at more risk. So it could be a benefit to go to your talk to your doctor. Look for symptoms like the likes of breathlessness and kind of easy bruising and stuff. Your doc needs to check actual iron levels or ferritin levels. Not just it's not just enough to just get a normal blood count. That's not enough. Your iron must be okay and your serum ferritin level should be between 50 to 200 nanograms per milliliter. Um, it's not enough to say that your hemoglobin is okay and your hemoglobin is your iron-containing protein found in red blood cells. And if you are deficient in iron, talk to your doctor, but they talk about kind of 15 to 50, 50 milligrams of iron glycinate, as this is easier to absorb and you take it directly after food. So red meat, egg, lentils, leafy greens are fantastic nutritional interventions too. So if you are deficient, supplementation can be of benefit. If you are someone who suffers from heavy periods or heavy flow, um, could be a more risk as important to talk to your doctor and get them checked. Uh, if someone has, this is, I'll give you, I'll, this is the last thing I'm going to ask Dallas and see what he says to this. If someone has come off the combined pill, Yasmin to be exact, oh. and they have had, say, through, they came off it, say, 16, 17 months ago and have had four cycles. They're fatigued. They don't know what type of PCOS they have. And their cycles are a little bit erratic at the minute. What is the scenario to play out in that? I know it depends, but if you can give some sort of what we've spoken about, what Jeff, would you... Huh? It depends. I, know, yeah, the, I just have to get that in for the drinking game. So in terms of obviously getting all the bloods checked, is you can always go down that route. I always recommend everyone going down in, in that form of thing. We can also then take a look in terms of seeing a regularity to it. So how past are we post-pill PCOS? Uh, so the person has been uh, post-pill so for 18 months and I've only had three cycles in those 18 months. Cool. So then from that position in terms... Oh, sorry, I better give context. Before that, before the before the pill, it was to manage the PCOS. Their mm -hmm. cycles were irregular before that, but they were like every six weeks. Okay. And we're aiming for what exactly to get out of them? To understand what is going on with the body. So we can have a few things. We're going to have a bounce back of hormones when we come away from the pill. So we're naturally going to see a bounce back. So we testosterone might increase as well. We're also going to start seeing a trying a body to regulate that. Whether it regulates that is a different story. Yeah. So between the HBA axis, that's going to be another story. For some of them, we're also going to see a decline in vitamin status. So under, for some of them, you have a little bit of low iron, as we were talking about. And we're also going to start noticing um, a lower progesterone before we start seeing it increase. So well, the way I start to like look at it is go, right, 
how can we bring regularity to your life lower strength how can we bring this and then what we start doing is looking at how do we overcome that so it's like lower stress look at what our bloods are saying can we get a regularity to it can we start tracking what's happening through uh food diet and training and start bringing some of the regularity back in obviously you can bring in supplements in that slam of things but our first start off with that basics yeah i think getting the bloods done is a massive massive thing that i don't think a lot of people realize that you need to get that kind of like like it and also get like a hormone screen because sometimes i've seen it from doctors that they don't necessarily want to do the hormone screen because like oh, why are you doing it and i'm kind of like right there's a pen and paper here right get a pen and paper i'm gonna give you the ones to get and i want someone to take these down next time you are book and book in an appointment with the gp so get your fsh and your lh checked so this is usually done on day three or any day if you have a very irregular cycle so FSH and LH. Then we want to check our testosterone. We want to check our SHBG. So that's SHBG. We want to check our TSH, our T4 and our T3. We want to check our B12. We want to check our ferritin. We want to check our folate. We want to check our prolactin. And we want to check our HbA1c if you have suspected PCOS. So please listen back to that. I want you to write that down. I want you to ring the GP and I want you to say, this is what I want done. And if they say no, get a new GP. I'm fucked off with GP saying, no, they're not going to do them. I've had three clients in the last three weeks and the GPs aren't doing it. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I had one client literally there and she was just like, uh, yeah, oh, I asked them, came back, the nurse was like, what the hell do you want it? Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, oh, well, it's my body. I was like, sorry, you're paying me. So she got given the end of the month. So, well, like it's a, and then we'll ask that, like, why you wanted to do this? I had that someone. I had that someone recently, and the doctor was like, "Well, this is this is like everything's fine." It's like I want to get this checked. Turns out that the person had PCOS because yeah. we got this. So we diagnosed PCOS by getting this test done. Yeah. We'll rule out something, but also look at the tools that we talked about, saying that it's not. It's like it can explain an awful lot for you. Can give you that freedom. Getting, piece, getting diagnosed with PCOS can be a relieving thing. It can be an understanding thing. It can give you the compassion thing um, and kind of explain why things have been a little bit slower. Because those with PCOS, it can be slower for weight loss. But also if you are potentially looking at from a point of view of if you are quite lean already, it could be mixed up for HA or hypothetical amenorrhea. And that's a very important sentence that needs to be said. So we've spoken about what seems better for carbs for PCOS or fats, how many calories, how to stay motivated when you don't see results, tips for, P for, for fatigue, PMS and foods, what dietary interventions, uh, and what can you do to tackle excess hair growth. I really do hope that someone has taken something from this. I know there's an awful lot of information and it's, probably, it's, a, good, it's a long episode, I think, anyway. I've no idea what, start, what time we started at. But guys, if you enjoyed the episode, like share it with your friends. Like There's 10% women, one in 10 has PCOS of a cycle regularity age. So there's someone out there. So share it up on your stories. Share it with your friends. Share it with whoever you know. You're not alone on this journey. So if you do struggle, my advice would be to go get your bloods checked or your hormones checked with one of the ones I've just said already. My next step would be to say, right, how can we manage this? The next step would be to potentially go and talk to someone or a coach that actually gives a shit and doesn't put you on 800 calories or 1200 calories and actually work with someone to help you with this and understand it and how understand how it's what happened to your body. It's your body. 
if you truly want to understand how it works, work with someone to, that actually gives a shit. The likes of Claire, the likes of us, the likes of uh, Orla, aka the Health Hun, likes of Jane, the likes of Dallas, the likes of MJ. The I'm missing someone there as well. Oh, Brian O'Hengus uh, from Triage. Uh, Fit Clinic have they have people who specialize in this and stuff as well. And I know I'm giving other names and whatever it may be. It's I want someone to understand their body. I don't care who they work with. If it works with us and, we, and that person trusts us, please message us and please DM us. Don't go this alone. Yep. It's understanding that you have the right to live the way and how you want to look and how you want to feel. And don't let a diagnosis stop you from doing that. It's not a death sentence. It's understand. It's an understanding and a compassion thing towards yourself. Uh, das, I can't thank you enough for like the amount of insight and stuff that you've spoken about there. There was there was loads there. Um, so thank you so much for for having the chat. And I think with Jane on the next one, do we? Yeah, I hope it. I think it's going to be. Uh, in, is is the one we were talking about earlier? Yeah. 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 So we're all, we're all going to have to eat before we do that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's going to be some. Uh, great uh, insights into all three of us because uh, that's going to be the beauty of it actually. yeah and that'll be a fun one so Violet May Dean will be with, you, with, uh, with Jane um, so guys I kind of thank you enough again for your support I really want you guys to kind of continue to like listen to the podcast obviously I'll if you guys stop listening to it I'll stop getting guests so like I'll just, I, I just there's, 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 there's the bribery there uh, the threats there um, so guys thank you so much for listening thank you again Jalice Oh, more than pleasure, and I hope everyone enjoys.